It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position by position analysis of the upcoming NFL draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily podcast on the Baltimore Ravens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Ravens podcast. I am Jacob Troxel here with Matthew Stevens. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Ravens. You can find myself at Trox3. And you can find Matthew at Matthew S underscore NFL. We're doing some fan questions today, so we ask you. You responded. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens now 4-5 and five after losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And a lot of questions uh, coming in about this team and where they're at. And uh, one of the first questions we got, Matthew, for this week was the future for uh, this defense and more specifically this secondary. A few members of the secondary, Eric Weddle, Tony Jefferson, Jimmy Smith. And, you know, we could also maybe... Uh, speculate into a couple other members of the secondary as well. What do you think the future holds for them? I mean, right now, this is a defense that uh, is still number one in terms of yardage given up um, through the season. But, um, you know, this is it's been a I – mean, we talked about it yesterday. It's been a little bit of an inconsistent um, effort, it seems like, all the way around on the roster so far this season. Yeah, you know, Noel O.V. asked that question of how is the future presented to Weddle Jefferson and, and Jimmy Smith. Uh, so, so I take that as, you know, what is being said to them about their future with this team? Obviously, uh, a lot will have to do with, you know, is this team kind of in a rebuild mode after this season? Uh, is Harbaugh going to be around? A lot of that type of stuff will, will kind of be play a, a factor into what's kind of told to them. But that being said is, you know, I think you look at those three guys, potential cuts, you know, if Baltimore is going to retool things uh, and they're going to kind of wipe the slate clean and try to rebuild the team up again, those are guys that you kind of look at, you know, Weddle being older, Jimmy Smith, he's been frequently injured, holds a, a relatively high cap hit uh, and, and has not played well at all this season versus you've got two young guys kind of waiting in the wings and Marlon Humphrey and um, Anthony Averett who you've drafted to kind of take over anyway, Tony Jefferson has been uh, a bit of a disappointment from a, a free agency standpoint, has not played up to, to what he did over in Arizona. I, you know, I, I think those are guys that you, you, you kind of let go. So, uh, you know, largely it, it depends on, again, what, what ha- is happening with this team long-term and, and, and does uh, general manager 
Eric DaCosta feel like this is a team that can compete next year, that if they do decide to get rid of Harbaugh, they do decide to kind of move in a different direction. Is this a team that has the talent necessary to be a playoff team and they're just a coach away? Uh, or is this the type of team that is is maybe a little bit more than just a coach? They need some players. They, they need to go ahead and do some things. Uh, and, and that's worth getting rid of some of those guys versus maybe sacrificing uh, a retooling versus rebuilding and keeping those guys in for another year to try to make another run at it with someone else at the helm. Uh, I think that's kind of what is going to be presented to them. That being said is right now it's, it's the middle of the season. None of those guys are being talked at as what are we going to do for you next year? Are you coming back next year? It's a lot of just from one week to the next, how can we go ahead and improve? How can we win? Um, but certainly those are three guys. And like you said, Jacob, you know, there's a few other names. Terrell Suggs being one of them. Marshall Yonda is another one. There's a few guys on this team that are a little bit older or have underperformed or have larger contracts. Joe Flacco being another one uh, who, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see the, where this team is headed in the offseason based on what happens to those guys. If they keep them, then you know they're going to try to make another run with the talent they've got. If you start seeing those guys disappear, uh, then you, you, you kind of know that the team is ready to maybe retool or, or rebuild completely uh, based on just kind of cutting that stuff in order to get some of the salary cap space back. Yeah, and that definitely is the question, you know, are you retooling or not? And uh, still tough to tell. I mean, it's, you know, where the Ravens are at, four and five right now. Um, we're certainly kind of, or at least in myself, I'm kind of looking at this as, uh, the Ravens have somewhat of a difficult schedule. I mean, you're going to have to uh, win a lot of games in a row here to make the playoffs. And if you don't make the playoffs, then it does feel like some of that retooling will come. And um, I think to me, Jefferson is probably the one um, that you could make an argument for sticking around just because he's, you know, look, he's 26 is his contract goes through 2020, um, which is, is both longer than um, uh, Weddle and Jimmy Smith and, Eric Weddle talked a lot about uh, the struggles physically he had before this season. He was, uh, this is not verbatim, but essentially said, you know, he was struggling to get out of bed most of the off season. And he finally felt like himself um, as he got closer towards training camp. So, uh, you know, it was a long recovery for him and he's been in the league 12 years now. He's uh, 30, 33 years old. So I would think that he's coming towards the end here. Um, and Jimmy Smith with his uh, different issues that he's had, um, off the field also, you know, this year with the four game suspension, I think, uh, you know, if, if you want to kind of go into a rebuilding phase, maybe he's not necessarily one that sticks around and you do have a 2019, um, year left with him. So maybe he's a guy that, um, you kind of try to, uh, market to teams that might be looking to make a run for 2019, uh, and, you know, kind of maybe uh, market him as a, a top tier corner and hope you can get something in return for him. Um, now, it, but, you know, again, going back to it's it's tough because you still don't really know um, whether you're going to be in that position or not. But um, that, that's kind of how those three guys kind of seem like they're laid out to me. Um, and then I think a lot of the rest of this year, we're going to have a lot of chances to see how some of the other guys in the secondary perform. And um, 
once we have that larger sample size of this full season, I think then Baltimore will have a better idea of who can stick around and who uh, won't be if they need to retool with some of the guys that they have uh, left here remaining. Yeah, you know, again, some of these questions are so difficult to answer because we're right in the middle of the season, you know, and and, and while it's easy to be uh, to, to have a knee-jerk reaction to things based on how last game went or how the last three games have gone and, and some talk about Harbaugh being fired and some of that stuff, you know, it, it's, it's so easy to, again, have a knee-jerk reaction and go, well, you know, you should gut the team or the team's not talented clearly because they're four and five. I, a lot of things are going to, to be figured out over the next few weeks as this team continues to fight for a playoff spot and, and largely for jobs. Uh, you know, I, again, I think that's that's not underselling. That is the rest of the season very much is an audition for literally everyone on this roster, all the coaching uh, staff. Uh, and that will really dictate where this team is actually at. I, I still contend, and I'm, I'm one, I think one of the few people that do contend this, that Baltimore is still a very talented team. I, I don't think you, you're, you're never going to convince me that a team that took the New Orleans Saints down to the final seconds, led the game for most of the game, and was a fluke missed extra point away from taking it to overtime, you're not going to tell me that team isn't talented. Uh, you're not going to tell me a team that, that beat the Buffalo Bills 47-3, to I don't care how awful the Bills are, isn't talented, or, or, or 21 nothing to the uh, Tennessee Titans. That doesn't happen without talent. Uh, just what, what dictates the rest of the season, uh, what dictates the future will be how these guys go ahead and play the rest of the season and, and, and how Eric DaCosta and, and Steve Bishotti and, and even Ozzie Newsom really see how this team can move forward. Uh, and, and that might be with Harbaugh, that might not be with Harbaugh, but again, all those things will, will factor into a lot of the decisions that are going to happen. So right now it's pure speculation, but, and I appreciate answering it, but, um, it's, it's so much is up in the air that it's it's difficult to, to really grasp where anyone is actually at. One last thing I wanted to mention, too. Um, you know, this defense, we talked about this before, but I wanted to mention it again. Uh, led the league in turnovers last year largely because of uh, the secondary and the interceptions. The one knock on the secondary, I think, that um, is, is most uh, visible so far. The last, I mean, especially in the last four games, only one turnover. Uh, forced by this defense now they've only allowed 300 passing yards in one game this season and uh, that was against Cleveland where they were on the field so much because the offense could only manufacture nine points but um, so that that being the one game and otherwise I mean they started out forcing two turnovers in uh, the first game two turnovers against Pittsburgh in the first matchup so they started the season out in a similar fashion but as of late uh, just not quite uh, doing this. some of the same things that they did last year that they found so much success with. Uh, but real quick, I want to mention to you guys, our sponsor today, Vivid Seats. You know, we all love a night out at a game, you know, whether it's a, a game or a band. You know, being there in person is just so much different than watching on TV. Uh, with Vivid Seats, you can attend to the concert or show or whatever sporting event you want to uh, at a great price. So Vivid Seats is, a, is the top source for tickets. Uh, for any live event you guys want to go to, you can sort through price. You can look for seats in different sections and rows. Uh, and to make things better, Vivid Seats is giving you guys $20 off orders of $200 or more. So you can check them out on the App Store or Google Play. Download the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off uh, orders of $200 or more. 
Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. So like I said, any concert game, you know, it's still a great time of year to go. Better get going before the weather gets too nasty here in December and January because uh, those are some of the cold and rainy games that personally I like to uh, – I like I like to get out there in November before the weather gets too bad. So uh, definitely go check them out. Uh, that's again that's locked on uh, for that twenty dollars off, two hundred dollars or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. So make that memory. Go to a game, find something fun to do, and check them out. Again, that promo code locked on. So moving on, Matthew going toward the coaching staff, and this is something we mentioned a little bit uh, uh, yesterday, but. We, I wanted to bring it up again, and we had a question again as well. Um, who would be a possible replacement looking just kind of uh, down the road here? Who do you see that might be in that kind of camp? Do you see anyone from the college, uh, the NFL uh, kind of ranks? Um, I know there were a couple guys you had in mind. Yeah, you know, that, that question came from Brandon Minich at Brandon Minich on Twitter. Uh, I'm assuming I said that last name properly. Uh, again, I think so you got it. <laughs> yeah, th- this is another one of those uh, questions that is really difficult to answer because, again, over the next few weeks, guys are going to uh, become maybe a little bit more enticing for for certain teams. Uh, and, and then there's also the factor of some coaches, uh, some teams will be in the playoffs, which will hamper you know, what teams can then talk to them and, and do the interviews and stuff like that. So a lot of the stuff will, will change around, but I think the few names to really look at are, are Lincoln Riley, who is going to be, I think at this point, the primo uh, guy to go ahead and come up uh, from, you know, the, the, the next group. Uh, and, that, and that's kind of, that's from the college ranks. And, and again, I think he's the name that you're going to hear with literally every coaching option. Uh, it's really just going to be a matter of who's going to give him the most money and probably the most ability to do whatever he wants to do. Uh, that being said, is I, I don't think that one's all that realistic. Again, I think Cleveland is probably the team that's going to hand him the keys to their franchise because that's what they do versus the Ravens who have Eric DaCosta, have Ozzie Newsome kind of hanging around there and, and just typically on a team that will give over uh, full control to a, to a coach. Uh, Mike McCarthy, who isn't fired yet, but the, the, the large rumor is that Mike McCarthy is his season's done. I mean, these him with, with the green Bay Packers, uh, things are not going well right now. And, and it feels like that the Packers are going to move on from McCarthy, uh, later on down the line this season. So well, I think when you look at him, even though he's getting fired or, or will potentially get fired, allegedly will get fired from the, the green Bay Packers, I think you look at what he's done with Aaron Rodgers. I think you look at what he's done with that team overall. Uh, again, in spite of injuries, in spite of maybe not necessarily a ton of talent uh, on the defensive side of the football, he's been able to go ahead and really groom a, a, the offense and develop players uh, a, a, and is well-respected in this league for, for a variety of different situations. Mike McCarthy is probably a guy that would probably come in for an interview. Uh, and other guys, another guy that isn't from you know, the Baltimore head coaching tree, uh, Josh McDaniels. Again, I think he's going to be another guy that's going to be high on the radar for a lot of teams uh, this offseason who, who have head coaching vacancies. Uh, you know, you, you're not exactly thrilled with what he did to the Indianapolis Colts last offseason with the whole, sure, I'll take the job, and then pulling out of it at the last minute. But 
you know, the guy's a very talented offensive mind, and it would make sense to go from, you know, defensive-oriented coaches, special team-oriented coaches, to an offensive one uh, in an effort to help develop Lamar Jackson and develop this offense, considering you spent that much on him. Uh, the, the next three guys are guys that all have Baltimore ties, and that's Terrell Austin, who used to be a secondary coach here in Baltimore before he got taken over uh, to a bunch of other different places and is now the defensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, that tie to Baltimore certainly helps. Uh, another well-respected guy around the entire league. Don Martindale, uh, you know, I think is is a guy that's well-respected on this team. Every time you've talked to a player, you always hear the same thing, which is they love Don Martindale. They, 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 they love the intensity that he brings. They feel like he's a, a football coach, that he is the, the old-school embodiment of what Baltimore used to be as a team. Uh, I think you'd probably get a lot of a lot of yay votes from the players from him. And then also don't count out special teams coordinator Jerry Rossberg. Uh, again, another guy who is well-respected throughout the NFL is a hard-nosed coach and is, and is known for not playing no fool, not, not suffering no fool here. Uh, Rossberg could certainly uh, uh, maybe get some attention from owner Steve Bashotti simply from a reset standpoint. Uh, again, he wasn't afraid to hire a, a special teams coordinator before in John Harbaugh. You know Rossberg, again, well-respected, well-respected amongst the, the team as well as a guy who knows what he's doing and as a guy who will get results one way or another. Rossberg is another guy that I think would probably be on the, the short list for Baltimore. Um, but again, we'll, we'll see as things happen over the next few weeks and, and of course, the offseason, if Harbaugh were to get fired. Uh, you know, it, it's it's probably not going to happen right now. It's probably going to happen at the end of the season. So if that's the case, then you, you're you're looking at uh, those are probably the names that I would have on my list. Yeah, and it definitely seems like you know, especially when you mentioned you know Josh McDaniels, it definitely seems like if they go in a different direction, then it would want to be um, if if the things that the problems keep kind of happening uh, in Baltimore that we've seen from this team where the offense struggles, that's definitely a kind of route I could see them taking where they bring in a, a, an offensive minded guy to maybe change some things up. Um, especially with so many young players you have on this roster. Now, I mean, you have, uh, you know, so many tight ends, wide receivers that um, you can kind of build this team around uh, tight ends, uh, Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst being drafted, uh, this past year, and uh, obviously Lamar Jackson at quarterback. So, you know, you you have a lot of young talent that you can develop, and if you think that you have uh, that guy, that young, it could, could be a young kind of offensive-minded coach. We've seen a lot of them find success uh, around the league recently with some of the things that have changed in the NFL, um, you know, with more college concepts kind of coming in, and, and that's what Baltimore is clearly trying to do with Lamar Jackson to get him out in space. So, uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if they bring in someone like that. Uh, I know Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma has been a guy that's been floating out there. It's just kind of some rumors for the Browns job. It probably makes more sense if he wants to get in the NFL to maybe go to the Browns being that he's Baker Mayfield's former college coach. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Lane Kiffin out of uh, Florida Atlantic would ever want to go to the NFL and be a head coach, but uh, you know, maybe he's happy there at staying at Florida Atlantic, but um, you know, he, he's a guy who 
I could I could see making a difference with this offense and some of the um, some of the different guys that they have. I think um, he's definitely had an impact uh, in, in, from what I've seen everywhere he's gone um, in, in terms of what he's changed and how he runs things. So, um, you know, but it's going to be interesting. Like, like you said, it's tough to answer these questions, but uh, I definitely think it would have to be somebody offensive minded because right now Baltimore, uh, both 16th in, in points and yards, uh, on offense and going back to the first two games of the season, they've scored 47 points against, uh, Buffalo. Uh, but then after that, Baltimore has not scored, uh, 30 points in a game. They've only gotten, um, the, the most points they've scored in a game outside of that first game was 26 against Pittsburgh and 27 against Denver. Uh, everything else, uh, after that, or before that has been 23 points or less. And a large part of that is because they've struggled in the red zone. After that great start they had, they they started to struggle a little bit. So it definitely seems like um, there's an opportunity there for someone to bring in um, some different concepts and ideas. Yeah, well, and again, I think that's the important thing here when we're talking about potential head coach replacements. And, and again, some of this stuff is a little premature, for being honest. But if if you're doing that, you've gone out and you've drafted two tight ends, uh, you know, relatively early, you've drafted a right tackle relatively early, but more importantly, you've drafted your future quarterback and you traded picks in order to go up and get him. You're not going to go ahead and, and hand the development of Lamar Jackson over to someone that you don't entirely know. Uh, it would make complete sense for you to then hand that over to a guy who has developed quarterbacks and is known for developing quarterbacks or, or is known for getting the most out of mobile quarterbacks more specifically. So, you know, either it's going, whoever's get hired. If, if Harbaugh is let go is either going to be an offensive minded coach or already have ties and essentially have, you know, someone on speed dial that you trust to develop Lamar Jackson. And, and again, you're going to go into this with the understanding that, it's not a year or two process. It's a multi-year process. You're looking at three, four, five in order to get everything out of, out of Jackson. Um, so you're going to be very patient. So again, there's going to be a lot of trust that goes into that type of stuff. Uh, so yeah, you know, looking at those guys probably makes a lot of sense. Um, but again, I, I think it really does depend on where this team thinks they're headed. If they think that the core talent they've got is solid, they're just a coach away. Maybe you get someone who's, uh, you know, a disciplinarian and, and someone who has maybe a little bit more X's and O's knowledge, uh, and, and it has the understanding or, or, uh, you know, backing of the, the current players. That's what you probably do, uh, in order to go ahead and do that. If you feel like you're, you're kind of scrapping things and starting over, I, I think you have to get a guy who, can develop your franchise quarterback. Yeah, and and real quickly, one last question about coaching. Um, this one from Michael Santangelo on Twitter. Uh, he says, "I think Marty's time with this offense needs to be over." My question is, I'm a fan of James Urban, the QB coach, and I think he's the best candidate. Also, John continues to select staff members who I think are unqualified and just not worth the hire. What do you think, uh, Matthew? Uh, your thoughts on that, real quick, before we move on to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, you know, well, first I'm going to say this about James Urban. Again, another really respected guy uh, around this league was Philadelphia Eagles quarterback coach 2009-2010, 
I was a, 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 an offensive assistant with Philadelphia from 2007 to 2008, assistant to the head coach 2004 to 2006, Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver coach 2011 to 2017. So certainly his resume speaks for itself. Um, and, and we've seen Flacco through you know, the first half of the season kind of play better than we've ever seen him play before. So, you know, if something were to happen there and, and you were to get rid of Marty Morningwig, I, I think Urban would be I, – I wouldn't necessarily have him as my top guy, but I, I think you would certainly – you'd interview him for the job uh, at the very least. Um, that being said, is I think the guy that they're going to go to, if, if Marty Morningwig is fired, and, and I, I agree with you. I mean, we, we talk about this like every single week, it seems like, with the, the run-pass game uh, uh, percentages and the blocking schemes and Marty Morningwig just being too cute with things. Again, I think the talent's there, just not being utilized properly, uh, along with some bad bounces of the balls and so on and so forth. But I agree with you. Marty Morningwig does need to go, but I think the guy that does replace him is Greg Roman. I think he was brought in very much for that reason. Uh, fans were not happy with Marty Morningwig just last year. Uh, and then they, you know, they brought in Greg Roman as that run game specialist, quote unquote, an offensive line slash tight end coach. And, and just, just a very weird situation in terms of a, a coordinator. Yeah. Um, it very much feels like that was their security blanket as if, if I don't think Marty Morningwig is good or, or he's not performing or I need a scapegoat. If I'm John Harbaugh, I throw morning Morningwig under the bus and I put Greg Roman in there and hope you have kind of a Jim Caldwell situation where this team just lights up all of a sudden under a new offensive coordinator. You see better production because everyone recognizes this could be the end and the team performs better. The offense performs better. Uh, again, I think if that's going to happen, I, I think that's going to be Greg Roman versus James Urban, uh, just from an experience standpoint as an offensive coordinator uh, and a former head coach himself. So, yeah, certainly that uh, you know weighs and, and has an impact. The experience level has an impact on those types of decisions, uh, especially at the NFL level, of course. Um, uh, real quick, before we talk about Lamar Jackson, kind of moving towards the end of the season. Uh, quickly, I want to mention to you guys, the Locked On Network, uh, we're doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram. You guys uh, have to make sure you're following us at Locked On Ravens on Twitter. But also, I want to make sure you guys know um, you can also find uh, updates on Locked On NFL Net on Twitter and Instagram for instant news and analysis for around the entire network. So um, you can make sure you keep pace with everything that's going on in the NFL. That's at Locked On NFL Net on Twitter and Instagram. Matthew, real quickly before we sign off here, uh, Lamar Jackson has been getting playing time this season, obviously. And uh, Brandon Minich on Twitter um, asked, uh, the season season is dwindling and uh, he's ready for the Lamar Jackson um, to begin and, and see, you know, let Harbaugh see what he can do uh, with that uh, second half of the season being his kind of like audition. Um as a new Q, uh, as a new QB uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, if they're not making the playoffs, uh, how do you see that playing out? I, I, they're still at four and five right now, um, but you know, if, if maybe they fall to four and six, four and seven, four and eight, uh, is it Lamar Jackson time, or you know, what are we looking at here? And my biggest question at this is, you know, the, I think we mentioned this a couple weeks ago before the trade deadline. If if you are if you're having Lamar Jackson throw the ball every once in a while. Why is Robert Griffin not being traded? 
Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think the knee-jerk reaction of, of most fans in this fan base is everything is Flacco's fault. The defense lets up a, a lead. It's <laughs> yep. Flacco's fault for not throwing up 50 points. Uh, the, the you know, coordinators aren't necessarily doing a good job. Well, it's probably because Flacco uh, is, is a bad quarterback and can't signal out of things or, or, or whatever. Um, literally everything becomes Flacco's fault, and I don't think that's fair to Joe Flacco. He's playing okay football. Uh, you know, when you look at it through through nine games, you know, he has 2,465 yards, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions. And, you know, we, we've talked about it uh, in, in recent weeks. That run-pass game ratio is really screwing things up. And, and, and I think we mentioned it in yesterday's episode more specifically. When you run the ball two times and a half total, uh, that's not just with Alex Collins. That's your entire team. When you run the ball twice in an entire half of football, the defense is going to key in on your quarterback. They're going to start yeah. throwing more guys into coverage. They're going to start pinning their ears back and going after Flacco. And when you're already missing several offensive linemen, that's going to have an impact. So, all- and, and, Yeah, and it's funny, too, because that's exactly what the Steelers did in the first matchup in the second half. They never, they never ran the ball. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and again, you know, I, I think when we look at this, Flacco is on pace for 4,382 yards. Uh, you know, that's that would be his highest total uh, of his career. That's pretty solid. Uh, he's on pace for just under, you know, 22 touchdowns over the course of this year. Uh, and he's on pace for a total of 11 interceptions over the course of the year. All in all, that would be one of his better years. According to the stats, and that's with a run game that is non-existent, both because it it didn't necessarily work at the beginning of the season, because they just flat out refused to run the football. Now, that's with twenty-two drops for the through the first eight games. I, I haven't seen the total for the full nine games yet, but that's twenty-two drops. Keep in mind, this team had twenty-six last year, and they gutted the wide receiver group in order to uh, to completely revamp it. And that was over 16 games. So, uh, again, keep this stuff in mind. Flacco, e- even though we can say, hey, you, you, you brought in Michael Crabtree. Hey, you brought in Willie Sneed. You got John Brown. You've drafted two new tight ends. They have not been the cream of the crop. They're, they're not even the top wide receiver group in the AFC North, much less the league. So, uh, the, this discussion of everything's Flacco's fault, I understand it. It's the guy that everyone goes to quarterbacks reap all the rewards and all the negatives from whatever their team does. But that being said is this, this idea that Lamar Jackson should start over Joe Flacco. If, if there's even a shot at them going to the playoffs and there still very much is Joe Flacco starting, he's the guy that gives you the best chance to go ahead and do that. Now, if they're eliminated from the playoffs, all right, maybe then you go ahead and talk about putting in Lamar Jackson. But I think even further beyond that, then you look at Joe Flacco and go, well, he's trade option next year. Uh, you know, you could potentially go ahead and get a, a mid-round pick for Joe Flacco next year from a team that is in the process of rebuilding uh, or, or is maybe just a quarterback away from from doing pretty good things. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay could be an option in, in that situation. Uh, Jacksonville could be an option in that situation. There's a few teams out there that could very well trade for Joe Flacco. You benching him at the end of the season for Lamar Jackson uh, pretty much – nullifies any trade option that that right there you're telling every team in the nfl we think he sucks we're already ready to move on we're not keeping him because who's going to keep joe flacco as a backup quarterback at that contract rate you've you've wiped out what could be a mid-round pick 
because yeah. you want to start Lamar Jackson a little earlier, when in all reality, you, you know he's not ready. We all know he's not ready. We've seen him throw the football. The dude's not ready yet. And it's not saying Lamar Jackson can't be a good quarterback. I think he can. But he's not there yet. He's just not there yet. And this explosive, he can run. Look, he had 10 yards on five runs on Sunday. Um, we haven't seen him be all that explosive with his feet thus far. Uh, if you're looking at anyone, it's not Lamar Jackson that, that's going to go ahead and do it. It's it's Alex Collins, who had a 4.4 yard per carry average in the first half. Uh, had your only running rushing touchdown, your only touchdown, excuse me, of the game Sunday. I, I, I just, you've kind of already proven you, you can't run the football with Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't know why people think that he's going to start or that he should start uh, when you have a head coach that is essentially fighting for his job right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, if that's that's the best point, uh, you know, that people need to make sure they know about this is, you know, you, if you sit him, like you said, you're not going to get as much as you could if you're going to try to sell him off to a different team. And, um, you know, and, and that 100 percent is the case as far as the quarterback goes, you know, it, the blame comes and the, and the success comes and, and, you know, it immediately goes straight to the quarterback. Um, and. As far as Lamar Jackson, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he's quite ready yet. Um, I'd be surprised if they brought him in and, and really used – I mean, because they're already kind of using him anyway in, in different formations, and he throws the ball every once in a while. I would think that a good kind of balance of having Joe out there and still starting but you know, of occasionally throw Lamar in for a play or two – I think that would be a good way to get him acclimated uh, into being a professional quarterback. And um, I, I'm kind of on the side that believes in in um, not necessarily holding quarterbacks for a full year or two on the sidelines. But, um, you know, you look at guys like Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff, guys who at least had some time to kind of sit and observe before they were put into uh, the starting position. I, I think there's still some value in that, and I know ultimately experience is the best uh, type of of uh, learning. But um, at the end of the day, you know, when you have, you still have a veteran guy you're learning from. You still have um, some veteran coaches you're learning from, and being able to run a couple plays and, and then kind of learn from it and kind of go as as you're kind of taking all these things in, I think that's a very unique experience that he's going to be able to learn from over the course of the season. So, you know, maybe they give Lamar two or three pass attempts in a game and they just have Joe out there as, as the main starting quarterback. And um, if they do get to that point, then, then that's, um, then that's fine right now. Obviously you're still trying to make the playoffs. So Joe has to be the guy moving forward. If you're going to try to, to get there, um, but if you are in that situation later in the season, I think that's definitely one where you could um, kind of ease ease Jackson into that. Well, yeah, and I think that's the important thing is is they're going to try to get Jackson more snaps over the course of the season. That's just the wise thing to do. Um, but again, this idea that Jackson should start—I mean, you know, we we you, you never judge a quarterback on one throw. But that being said, is we saw Jackson, uh, you know, two weeks ago throw five yards in front of him right into the dirt like he was trying to kill the, the ground uh, when he had Willie Sneed wide open right in front of him, mainly because he didn't set his feet. And, and and when you look at a quarterback, especially a mobile one, 
He needs to learn how to do basic things like set his feet. Uh, he wasn't really being chased. He had plenty of time. He just got too excited, saw the open guy, freaked out, and spazzed it into the ground, which comes with that stuff. Again, I don't necessarily knock him for that. Um, but that shows that the fundamentals aren't there for Lamar Jackson quite yet. And if you're going to go ahead and put him in, you're acknowledging that you're done for a season or more. Uh, if you start him next year, you're pretty much acknowledging that uh, this is a rebuild year. We, we fully know that we're not going to win a ton of games. We're just getting him snaps in order to uh, uh, prepare him for that and, and, and get him there uh, with just more time. So the best way to go ahead and do that is to give him more snaps now. But uh, I, I just, I, I've yet to see anything from Lamar Jackson this season that would make me say he's a better quarterback than Joe Flacco right now. He has a, a, a worse completion percentage, despite playing largely against scrubs. Uh, he has uh, just barely ahead of Joe Flacco in yards per attempt. And again, playing against scrubs in garbage time has largely been what, what uh, Lamar Jackson has been handed. I, I, he has a, a higher sack percentage, 7.7% uh, versus 4.1 for Flacco. So he's running himself into to sacks far more often. Again, I just he has two fumbles, <laughs> despite having significantly fewer touches. Um, I, I I just I see a guy who's still really raw, and putting him in there is absolutely saying that this team sucks and they're done. And I don't think they're ready to do that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things play out. And obviously, uh, you know, as the season moves along, we'll get to see what kind of trajectory this team is on and again coming out of the bye week they will face Cincinnati it feels like if they lose that game that um fall into four and six and I believe that would be one and four in the division um would certainly uh be a sign of of, of things to come and how this organization might move forward because uh, even if you run the table at 10 and six that's still a toss-up in in whether or not you're going to make the playoffs especially with that um that four losses in the division there. So, um, but don't go anywhere this bye week. You know, we're still talking plenty of Ravens taking your questions and, uh, we'll get into some film review stuff later this week, looking at different position groups. So, uh, again, hit us up on Twitter at locked on Ravens and we'll be here all week talking different stuff. Hey, prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 